And I can tell you, I've been, I've been doing, I've, I spent at least a decade in the reproductive rights journalism world. And I will tell you that when you interview abortion providers, you find out very quickly that almost all of them have seen cases where someone was on the protest line one day and in the clinic the next. I believe it. I believe that. (laughs) I what? I totally believe that. Like, Look, nobody wants an abortion till they need one. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by TexasRealFood.com. Find out more at the end of this episode. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Plate Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Let's jump right into this. My guest today is Amanda Marco. We had her on before in season two, I think it was. Losing track on all these seasons. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Okay, anyway. So we're still uh, beginning of season four here, and we decided to bring her back on. She is the senior uh, politics writer for Salon. And she's also a published author. She has a book out called Troll Nation. Um, So we brought her on. We talk politics and food. You know, it was great. Uh, She's actually based out of Philadelphia, but she is from Texas. She's from the El Paso area. Um, So anyway, um, make sure to check uh, check her, stay in contact with her on Twitter. and you can find uh, the link uh, for like her articles and stuff in the uh, description. Um, so we basically we talked about uh, the infrastructure uh, delay that's happening, the Texas abortion law, vaccine mandates and 3D printed food. And of course, we did some uh, food trivia. And listen, guys, if you can hear the rain, I apologize. It is like raining cats and dogs out of nowhere here at my house. So uh, in the studio. And the windows are pretty close, so I'm not sure if you can hear it. So maybe you can't hear anything. But if you can, I apologize. That's what that noise is. Um, So anyway, great episode. Uh, Really enjoyed it. We don't get to talk too much politics on the show. And to be honest with you, I like it that way. But every once in a while, helps to just stay connected. So uh, Amanda helped us do that. It's great to get her take on things. Um, I really appreciate her, and she's. Uh, I really enjoy our conversations, to be honest with you. Okay, um, before we get to that, quick word from our sponsor, Texas Real Food, because as always, we got to keep the mics on. All right, we'll be right back. Hi, I wanted to talk to you about what's on the Texas Real Food site that's more than just putting in your zip code and finding, you know, the coolest butcher, farmer's market, restaurant around you. There's also other resources on the site, recipes, articles, and one in particular is called the Texas Mom Blog. It's awesome. Faria Khan is writing these beautiful articles. You can really learn a lot about Texas, just giving you a lot of other things to think about, food, family, everything behind that goes into food as well. So just different topics and uh, conversations. Definitely something worth checking out as well. All right, back to the show. All right, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Um, About three minutes into it. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) uh, Interviews coming up with Amanda Marco again. Amazing. 
You're going to enjoy it. Uh, Before we do that, as always, you know what I'm going to bring up. Social media. Please follow us on Instagram, Lone Star Play TX and Facebook. And if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the like button and hit the notification button. We're really asking a lot here, to be honest with you, right? That's really just asking a lot. You know what? Just watch the video. It's all good. You want to leave a comment? Comment. I don't like and comment on a bunch of YouTube videos myself. So you know what? You you do what you want. To be honest with you, no no hard feelings. Um, and also I have to bring this up. We have an event coming up. I'm gonna bring it up every podcast till it happens. October 28th, Dallas, Texas, at Hyenas Comedy Club, 8 p.m. We'll put a link in the description. You can pre-register. Uh, we're having service industry trivia night. So for all you service industry folks out there, former service industry, current service industry, come on out, have fun, and you can potentially you can sign up there at the event or pre-register, like I said, to compete on stage in a trivia tournament uh, for prizes, cash, gift cards, and prizes. I mean, it's going to be a fun night. Got a special guest co-host, my friend Aaron Flores is going to be jumping in to help me, you know, keep back the crowd because, you know, it's going to get crazy in there and that's uh, going to be a lot of fun. So our very first podcast event, we're going to be recording it and it's not just like a typical interview, like we're having a guest on, you know, we, we, I, I, we decided to nix the whole like Tony Hinchcliffe, try to get a celebrity. Dude, when you add celebrities and stuff to these live events. It really does make things more difficult. It's just a lot more moving parts. So we're just going to take the show ourselves and really start doing these live shows to give back to the industry. You know, that's it. That's what we're doing these for. So we have a, a ton of cool uh, local Texas food sponsors that have uh, agreed to, you know, give us a bunch of stuff that we can give away to the service industry. So what better, what better night? It's at a comedy club. We're going to have some laughs, a little stand-up comedy. It's going to be a blast. So October 28th, set your calendars, Dallas, Texas. Please come and join us. All right, let's get to this episode. Amanda Marco, senior politics writer for Salon. I hope I'm saying that right, too, by the way. Marco, Amanda Marco. That's how I, Marcotte. That just sounds weird to me. Um, Okay, so enjoy the interview. So how you been? Uh, how things been going? It's been a while since we uh, since we last spoke. Um, quite a while, actually, I think. Yeah, things have been going well for me personally. If even if the country's on fire, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always sort of a guilty um, guilty feeling sometimes to to some extent. Um, looking around, like you know, maybe I should be struggling more or something <laughs> uh, to some extent, right? Like it's weird. It's true. <laughs> Sometimes, right? It's a weird. It's a weird. Uh, it's a weird feeling. Depending on what industry you're in, and and my industry, the food industry, is struggling for sure. So a lot of my friends, and uh, you know, every time I'm talking to them, they're just, you know, you are. It's already a tough industry to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Like e- even without the pandemic, it's already an industry that makes you want to pull all your hair out. So you like throw a pandemic in it. It's like, I don't know how people survived. I, I got out right just before the the pandemic so you know it's 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 nuts uh yeah it's it's been nuts uh, but it's getting better little by little i know there's some things i'm sure y'all write about that a little bit about like the labor shortage and and things what's what's been your sort of take on that even if you haven't uh seen anything about it what what do you know about all that i mean it's a really confusing 
thing, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I had a friend uh, come visit me this week from Austin, actually, and he's in the alcohol industry there. And he said that he knows a lot of people that are bartenders that have been there for a long time. And this was basically it for them. Like, yeah, it's gotten so expensive to live there. They're middle-aged people. It's, it's not great to be having to live with roommates in your forties and your fifties. Right. And so (laughs) I think for a lot of people, it was like peace and they just left the industry altogether and, and they may still be unemployed, but I think, to a certain extent, a lot of the labor shortage is that people were pushed out of their jobs for a period and then for whatever reason cannot or will not go back. And it's not laziness. It's, you know, things like it costs so much to live in Austin now, or, you know, there's been some really great reporting out there showing that a lot of people lost their jobs in all sorts of industries. And now when they're trying to reapply, to get back into their industry, the skill sets that employers are looking for don't match the ones that they have on their resumes. So it, there's just like a lot of, oh wow, it, it you know even though they're perfectly obviously perfectly capable of doing the job. Like for sure. instance, maybe you've been like a bank teller for thirty years, and you lost your job. You know, just as an idea, and then. Yeah you try to get another job and it says you must know Microsoft Excel. You never use that program as a bank teller. You're now, you know, in your sixties and you're not getting hired, even though you are perfectly capable of doing the job because the computers are filtering you out. So I think that's a real problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you said, it's just very nuanced, you know, there's just different layers to it. Uh, I can only speak from, the red restaurant industry, as far as like trying to give some insight, I mean, just different chefs I've talked to, the different things that they're offering to keep, to, to keep, one, to bring people in the door, two, to keep them there. So, you know, one, one battle is just getting someone in the door and then it's keeping them there because people have this idea, well, I'll just, I'll leave. Everybody's hiring. If you, if it, one thing wrong, I'm gone. I'm moving on to the next, you know, restaurant, like without a doubt. So sort of the powers are shifting in some sense. And people, some, some restaurants are stepping up and you know what, we need to create a better environment here, better culture, right? More respect. Uh, People feel safe coming to work, right? Like that's a big thing. And uh, I I think it's cool. I think it's great to see some chefs stepping up and go, you know what, I it's not just about the money for people, right? Like that, that's the thing with this industry or laziness. Like you said, well, they're just lazy. They don't want to go. It's not it at all. I think people, you know, especially for that industry, they just, you know, were mistreated for so long. It's such a uh, thankless job. No benefits. You're, you're running, you're searching everywhere for, to find that right thing. You're probably working two, two jobs, Maybe probably working at two places, to be honest with you, or three sometimes if you're a good bartender or waiter, you know, or line cook, you're just, you know, going all over the place. Like you said, they left the jobs. Now, some of them just moved on to different industries. They just, they literally have just moved on and said, forget this, man, I'm, I'm doing something else. So at least for the restaurant industry, things have to change. And it's not just the money uh, for people to come back and, and, you know get it to where it used to be, quote unquote. So I have a question for you on that because I know at least from, you know, I follow a lot of restaurants in Philadelphia on Instagram 
And I got the strong impression that they were cutting back on hours and their menu because um, a lot of their laborers before the pandemic, the people that worked in the kitchen are immigrants and they just left. Absolutely. Has that been an issue in Texas? Because I have to imagine it's 100%. even more so in Texas. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you're stressing the people that do come to work. They're getting stressed. And so you're having to reduce the hours of the restaurant just to give people a day off. I just saw an Instagram post yesterday of a very big um, Chinese uh, chain. It's, 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 still, it's a chain, but it's a from the ground up chain, right? So we had the owners on on the Lone Star Plate and they do real from scratch Chinese food. Uh, so, so Chinese. And um, they are closing on Sundays now temporarily. They have to, they have no choice but to, the people that are coming to work, you know, give them some relief. And like you said, some people are not from here, immigrant, you know, they're gone. They're leaving, they're, they're moving on to, to other things, either to go back uh, home or to something else. It's not just food. I mean, I, I will definitely say, like, I think that a lot of industries have had real serious burnout problems. Um, you know, this past week, my cat injured herself. And oh, I'm sorry was, to hear that. She'll be all right. She, she'll learn to walk again. <laughs> <laughs> she, she fell off the bed and busted her leg pretty bad. But um, oh, no. She, it was, what was interesting though, was that it was so hard to get vet care. Um, you know, oh, really? yeah, my vet used to be very easy to get an appointment within, you know, like 24 hours, but they were yeah. just booked out and, and they basically told us that, uh, their patient list that they've lost a lot of staff because of just straight up burnout. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, you know, they're great. They found a way to work her in cause it was a, you know, a serious problem, but, um, it wasn't that they didn't want to help. They just, they literally just didn't have enough people in it. And it, you think of all the industries like veterinary care, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Who's bur burning out on, on that? That That's uh interesting. It must be all the protocols in place that you have to go through that just take your job to another level. And a lot more people got pets over the pandemic. So that's a great just point. Had... That's a great point. That's a, that's actually a really good point. So they've got to take them in, get their shots, get their checkups, whatever. And maybe people just home, like, you know what? I haven't taken my dog to the vet for a while. <laughs> I finally got the time to do this stuff, you know, get, get their checkup or something they hadn't done before. Well, that stinks. That stinks to hear. Um, you know, I, I, I never like to hear about anybody you know, feeling stressed out again, jobs are hard enough. And to just add these other levels on top of it, uh, you know, make it all the more difficult. Well, I, I hope these industries recover. Um, I don't know. Where do you, where do you see some of this going? Do you, I mean, it has to recover, right? I mean, inevitably. <laughs> I mean, things may hit equilibriums. I think that the bigger lesson here is everybody wants there to be one single answer as to what's going on. And I think the larger answer is that we've seen a huge economic reshuffle and that's going to have all these knock-on effects that are unpredictable and, in fact, I would argue chaotic, right? Um, and it's probably going to take years and years and years of economic research to even start to figure out what the hell happened here. But, I mean, this has happened before in the 1970s and the 1930s. You know, there, you see these kinds of huge economic rattles through society and they, you know, 
there's things that we can do or the government can do to sort of make it better. And I think that that's luckily been happening here, but, you know, especially in the capitalist economy, like there's all these sort of factors and it's a, a butterfly effect, you know, the restaurant industry is a really good example of, of one where it's not one single cause. It's just a lot of things kind of coming together and, and it's really hard to point to any one thing. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Well, I definitely agree on that. Um, <laughs> I saw this article you just posted actually um, today um, about the infrastructure uh, delay that's, that's basically happening. And I'll be honest, I haven't really been, I, I sort of got burnt out on politics over the, over the summer of the vaccines and this and that. And it was just driving me nuts, to be honest with you. So I st I, I'm not gonna lie, I stepped away for social media for like the past month and news and stuff. So I haven't really been keeping up too much, but I did see this. I, I, you know, I know it's important. And I thought you just had an interesting take on that. So I'd like to, you know, just sort of dive into that um, a little bit on, on that, on, on, you know, what's going on. I guess that it's two bills or, or something along those lines. <laughs> it's insanely complicated. I'm just going to warn you. Um, <laughs> when is it not right? Like, when is it? That's why people hate politics. I'm telling you, this is why people hate politics. Yeah, sometimes when you're kind of following the blow-by-blow blow of Congress, it's like playing the most complicated role-playing game of all time. Yeah. Like, if you think, like, Dungeons & Dragons sounds complicated, this is, like, way worse. There's so many roles, so many roles, and so you many know. people just coming up with new ways to do things. And that's kind of what happened here. So, by uh, the quickest way I can put this is back in, like, April... Joe Biden um, offered basically a, a large package that was initially supposed to be in one bill, and it was a jobs and infrastructure package. So it's both building up roads and bridges, but it, and and broadband internet in rural areas, but also what they called soft infrastructure. So that's expanding healthcare, making childcare available, or or preschool basically down to infant level for all Americans, hopefully. Um, and then a huge amount of climate change stuff, just huge amounts. Like they're trying to move people to electric cars. So they want to build electric car, like plug in places across the country, that sort of thing. Um, it was probably the initial proposal was probably $6 trillion and it got whittled down oh, to wow. 4.5 trillion. I know that sounds like a lot, but it was over 10 years. So actually it's, yeah. a, it's only about 8% of the GDP. Sounds like stuff we needed. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't really, you know, like for me, yeah. write the check. Like, what are we even talking about here? Well, and it's one of those things where, um, so the way I would put this is money is cheap right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. That should be a great, that's a great t-shirt, by the way. I love <laughs> well, I love for that. the same very reason that like a lot of people use the pandemic as a time to buy a new house or invest in their current home because interest rates are really low and you can borrow money for basically nothing. It's an investment in your home, right? Yeah. The government is doing the same thing. It's, we're borrow, borrow a bunch of money to invest in the country and then we will make that money back. Sure. Right. That's the 100%. idea. Um, yeah. So it, it, it really is kind of it sounds like a lot of money, but it's probably going to be net profit for the United States of America if it can be passed. But um, a few centrist Democrats took the one chunk out of it, the roads and bridges part, kind of what they consider traditional art infrastructure. 
and pulled it into a separate bill because they wanted to do something that Republicans would vote for. And <laughs> that passed the Senate with some Republican votes. And the rest of it's been put into another bill that is expected to, that's supposed to pass only on a party line Democratic vote. Um, a lot of us uh, feared <laughs> that they were pulling the stuff out and putting it in one bill so that they could just kill the other one. <laughs> the one that's got childcare and healthcare and climate change and all these other important things in it. And they were like, uh. no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. This is just so we can get some Republican votes. Please. Well, right now they're trying to kill it. Yeah. Like long, long story short, they they reneged on their deal, and that's Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema in the Senate. And it's it it's really only two Democratic senators, but since we only have a fifty vote majority, like that's enough for them to kill it. Yeah, that makes a big that makes a big enough difference. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's like the trick of. You know, yeah, do do this for me. I'm going to take care of you later, right? That's the old sales trick of like, I got you back. I got you later. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, get it, in, right. get it in writing, or get pay your payment up front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. Just pass my thing that I want first, and and well, why don't we do it the opposite? Right? Exactly. Why don't we pass the other one, and then we'll do your little thing that you, that you want here, Rob? No, uh, yeah, that sounds. Uh, that sounds nuts. It's like, how do you even, so, so what's, so what's going to happen now? Well, the good news is the, the smaller infrastructure bill, the roads and bridges bill um, is being held up by the house of representatives because the progressives and, and really, you know, a huge, basically the majority of Democrats in, in Congress want to pass it, but the progressive caucus said, we aren't going to vote for the smaller bill until we get the entire package. So uh, yeah, no, that we'll makes see. sense. Okay. So that's what I saw about AOC. Um, right. Like responding to that. And okay. That now this all makes sense about the media and how they are. You're right. They're angling it d differently than it's sort of, they need to do this because they're not going to give us what we want. Right. Like essentially. Yeah. So if you don't put it as one, that's why they, you have to wonder why are they trying to separate it? Exactly. Like, if if they in good faith want to pass both bills, then they should pass them together. There's only uh, one exactly. reason to force the Democrats to pass the smaller bill, and that's so that they give up all their leverage to pass both of them. Absolutely. And don't give up your leverage in a negotiation ever. That's the first rule. <laughs> you know, don't expect people to... Um, Leverage always matters more in a negotiation than morality or rationality is, is something I have learned doing this work. Oh, sure. Gosh, that's got to be so crazy. Absolutely. Um, you, you look at a situation, think, well, it has to go this way. But then you think, well, this is politics. So it's going to be it's going to be something uh, completely different. Um, but no, that makes sense um, from their side to to make that vote. I think I would do. Uh, the same thing, essentially, sort of get in the way of, hey, you're not going to get this unless, uh, you know, we get that. And I guess that's the big question, right, between the right and the left of what's in that bill and what they want. Yeah. Right? And I, I want to reemphasize that what's in this big bill is um, really popular. 61% of Americans support it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It, I mean, think about it. It's, it's things like making the child tax credit permanent. 
Yeah. Um, it's things like, again, if we could get universal childcare in this country, that would be huge. But I think that the most important thing to think about is that if we don't pass major climate change legislation now, and that's a huge part of this bill, we're never going to. Yeah. It's and and that is, I mean, the fate of the planet hinges on <laughs> on this debate. <laughs> yeah, we can't vote on anything else if that goes to shit, right? Like, if we don't have a planet, we get what are we voting on, right? What are we? Yeah, a hundred percent. That that's always been a an interesting take for people against climate change because I don't know who theory it was or somebody but read it somewhere. It was basically like, well. You know, we really have no choice but to invest in it, whether you think it's right or wrong, whether you think it's real or not. We only have the one planet to bet on. It's not <laughs> like we have another planet to bet on. So it's like you, you sort of regardless if you think it's agree with the science or not, if you think it's happening, or not, it'd be best to to take those initiatives regardless you know. Yeah, I would point out what has happened to New York in the past few years and what just happened to New Orleans, right? They 100%. both just got slammed with these massive hurricanes. And the amount of money that we have to spend to build those cities back up. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. Like, we're not saving money by not doing something about climate change. It's a great point. And money is money talks. Money, right? But money, you can get people on your side when it starts to come to uh, money. And that's that's absolutely um, a great point. It's it, California, right? The wildfire. I mean, it's literally everywhere you look. Um, it, it, this is happening. Record heat in Europe. Um, you know, all, all kinds of different things. So for sure. Um, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, obviously this is Texas. I'm in Texas. You know, you know, Texas, um, that, that we've been in the news a lot. We seem to always be in the news for the wrong reasons. I must, must might I say, like, I, I love this state and I love so many people in this state, but I swear I'm always just like, good God, we can't ever get any like good news. And this new abortion law that passed this, this Texas, well, it was a whole bunch of different things. Like I'll, you can carry guns and we got rid of abortions, like all in the same you know, Bill, it's it's sort of crazy. I'm curious, you know, I, I, I sort of assume I know what, what your take on it is, but but maybe not. Uh, let, let's hear uh, what, what your take on this new this new bill that uh, the new abortion know. law. Yeah. 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 It's nuts. I, I mean, I, I, I can definitely say that I got probably more text messages from my Texas friends. And and I don't know if, you know, your your audience knows that, like, I'm a native Texan lived yeah. there until I was 32. And so a bunch of my friends still live there. And I got more texts, I think, from them about this abortion ban than I even did when you guys were um, being slammed with an ice storm and no electricity for a week. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, and, and I, you know, because I think it feels existential, right? Um, it feels nuts. But, it feels backwards, really backwards. Yeah. This is not how this is not how we should treat people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the bounty hunting thing attached to it as well, or, you yeah. know, the abortion hunting, the, the like you rat on your neighbors for 10 grand, uh, you know, as well to it. It's like this whole, I don't know. I, I find yeah. it nuts. It, it's an interesting thing because it was clear that the anti-choice people that passed this law didn't actually expect anyone to sue 
abortion providers. They thought just the threat of being sued was going to stop them. And I think they underestimate abortion providers. A lot of um, abortion providers are old doctors. Like, unfortunately, a lot of them are very old because they remember the days before abortion was legal and they remember having to treat patients who tried to abort at home and died or were horribly mutilated. And so to them, this is not an abstract issue. This is a human rights issue. And so, of course, right away, you have this doctor in San Antonio, Dr. Ellen Braid, who performed an abortion um, against the ban and went to the Washington Post, confessed what he did, and dared people to sue him. (laughs) Because... And, and two people have. And now you have all the anti-choice groups in the state, uh, especially Texas Right to Life, who was basically behind this law along with they, they worked in cahoots with some uh, former and current Texas attorney generals to pass this law. They are, they've been caught flat-footed. They're furious. They can't believe somebody's actually suing. They don't want this to go to court for exactly that reason because it, it disgusts people the idea that a doctor would be sued by some random incel weirdo who doesn't even live in Texas <laughs> for doing an abortion on a woman this guy doesn't even know. I mean, how is that even, I just, I just, I, I'm just so confused by it. Um, <laughs> I, really, I'm just so confused by it. And it like slid in, you know, we had everything with Afghanistan going on, 9-11 was coming up, the Taliban, and then they just like slid this bill in sort of came out of nowhere i was like what what when did what what's going on here this this is nuts um how do, is it going to survive you think because there's a lot of you know i don't know fight against it i mean there are people who are trying to take it to supreme court right well so what has happened was the supreme court upheld the law they just did it in a back doorway so one oh, of the really? most, yeah, one of the most frustrating things about this is that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. It just wasn't overturned in like a a decision. Like that's how. So the Supreme Court, the conservative justices know that overturning Roe versus Wade is like hugely controversial, and they want to try to somehow end the right to abortion without overturning it. So what they did was instead of having a case where they heard the arguments on both sides of this, like you traditionally do. And then they issued a ruling. They um, did something, they use what is called the shadow docket. And in the past, it's only been for like kind of emergency decisions, right? Which this is absolutely not. And it's one where it's like, they just thumbs up or thumbs down what an appeals court did. And they thumbs up the fifth circuit appeals court upholding the law without basically giving any real reason for the decision. So they basically overturned Roe versus Wade in the back door. And yeah. And so that said um, in December, the court is going to be hearing arguments for a more formal case that um, is Mississippi banned abortions at 15 weeks, which is actually more like I would say 12 weeks. Um, So the way that like the way that pregnancy, it's kind of one of those things that's kind of confusing. Like for instance, they say in Texas, it's six weeks. It's actually two weeks. 
um, oh from gosh. a woman's misperiod. Yeah. So it, it's basically a complete abortion ban because it's very difficult to get an abortion within two weeks. Uh, the estimate was about 90% of women are after that. Yeah. that get abortions. So um, anyway, Mississippi has got a case in December that is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. It's going to give the court an opportunity to overturn it, um, oh, which man. I think they will do more formally. So my, I would say that this Texas law is the, don't look to the courts to end it is how yeah. I would put this. I think that we need, we need Congress to pass a law codifying Roe versus Wade and saying women have a right to abortion. And um, I think that's the only way they go forward on this. And unfortunately right now, like because of senators, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, who are like basically these two Democrats who are stymieing all progress in the, in the Congress, like there's very little getting passed and there certainly isn't going to be a law like upholding abortion rights getting passed. So we're kind of in a real bad situation. I, I, I wish I could say that there was hope um, in any way, but right now I, I think by this time next year, we might be seeing abortion banned in like half the country. Oh my gosh. This is so nuts. This is like, uh, you know, taking some huge steps backwards. Um, this is where like religion becomes a problem for me. You know, I'm, I'm very much for people to do what they want with their lives and w whatever. But these are the reasons you hear of, of why people don't want there to be abortion. Right. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a religious choice uh, to, to some extent. And that's becoming law. Um Right. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but that that's sort of my take on it. I don't, I don't know how we get around that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, uh, before, you know, before she passed, Ruth Gator, Bader Ginsburg would often argue that she wished that Roe versus Wade had been decided not on privacy, but on equality. And I also think it would have been nice to have had a religious freedom component of it for just that reason, because most a lot of religions do not frown on abortion at all i would actually say probably most uh, it's really just catholic catholicism and even then most catholics are actually pro-choice and then yeah. you know you have the white evangelical churches that kind of organize against it but like mainstream christian churches prior to roe a lot of the people that were organizing for abortion rights were like Christian ministers who saw this as a, a health and, and human rights issue. And, you know, oh, wow. Islam, Judaism. I, and of course, then there's people like me who don't believe in anything like, yeah. Yeah. And me I too. have rights too. I, the, the satanic temple, I actually has been making noises about doing legit, uh, a litigation about this abortion law saying that uh, it's actually their religious belief that women have a right to choose. <laughs> that's genius, really. I mean, that's a genius way to look, you know, angle to take. Not that they're trying to do or whatever. I'm not trying to insinuate anything like that, but why not? Why wouldn't that be the case if, right? I mean, absolutely. That, yeah. that seems like the way to go for, for sure. If, yeah. Wow, that's smart to do. Um, those those Satanist 
<laughs> They're the best. <laughs> always, always using this up here. Those guys, those guys. Uh, wow. Well, hey, listen, that's a, you know, I never liked the pro-choice, pro-life, first of all, attachments. I, I hate that. Yeah. That like, who's not pro-life? Who's who's yeah. not, who's like I I you know I'm anti-life you know like it's not that anti-life it should be pro-choice and anti-choice. I I opinion. agree. I I don't use pro-life because it's a meaningless term. Like when you actually ask people that call themselves pro-life, what they feel about abortion rights, like forty percent say, "Well, you, I mean, obviously you have a right to an abortion." <laughs> I just <laughs> wouldn't do it, and it's like, well, yeah, that's the point. It should be your choice. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it's a very, um, it's a very, yeah, it's a very like giant leap to make to want to legislate that opinion you have, right? Yeah. And you think, well, this is what my family believes. You know what? Let's make it a law. I don't <laughs> want anybody doing this. Like, what? When did this? Uh, let's get the whole team together and let's just make this a lot. Like, th that's exactly what America's not supposed to be. <laughs> it, you know? It's, and I can tell you, I've been, I've been doing, I've, I spent at least a decade in the reproductive rights journalism world, and I will tell you that when you interview abortion providers, you find out very quickly that almost all of them have seen cases where someone was on the protest line one day and in the clinic the next. I believe like, it. I like, believe that. <laughs> I want, I totally believe that. Like, look, nobody wants an abortion until they need one, right? Exactly. The, the, I mean, that's like here in the South in the Bible Belt. I've known so many Christians and Baptists, you know, they're the, and they go get an abortion. Okay. Yeah. Break. I mean, come on. But what? But Monday through Saturday, they're preaching. You know, one one different thing, right? It's like uh, that's so crazy. I totally. Same thing with uh, if they're anti-homosexual, and then a lot of times they'll come out. They're homosexual. It's yeah. don't fight it. Don't fight it. It's like why are you guys fight? Why are we fighting this stuff? You know what? We should really be focused on other things here. Uh, in my opinion, as far getting over, you know, women's rights, like done let's move on abortions why, why that's a medical procedure why are we even having a national discussion about this um you know it, it blows my mind what we spend uh our time on right in this country uh sometimes which brings me to my next next topic that i'd like to get on which i'm blown away by. and i brought up earlier the vaccine uh mandates uh that have been going on this has been absolute just a you know just when you think <laughs> the country just can't get any weirder. We we're like, hold my beer, and we, <laughs> <laughs> right? And we and we just go ahead and and we literally have people fighting against vaccines and wearing masks. And what it's like a Twilight Zone episode. It's like, yeah, right. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. And worse, they're stealing the reproductive rights language, saying "my body, my choice." And it's like, well, no, <laughs> I. I <laughs> It's it, yes. like you're, you don't like <laughs> when we're talking about bodily autonomy, you don't have a right to give me COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, the, yes. like vaccine, like I would vaccine mandates have been around since before the revolution. Like the, there were like in the 18th century, there were smallpox 
vaccination requirements that were supported by Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin. This is very normal. Like when polio was a disease in the 1950s, they not only mandated it, they gave it to kids in school. And you know what? People were grateful because polio was a terrible disease. Um, Yeah. This is this is a very frustrating thing because I, I think that the most relevant thing is that you see all these Republican politicians saying that they're against vaccine mandates or COVID vaccine mandates very specifically, but they actually stand, they support all other vaccine mandates. They, they like, because if you've right. been to a yeah. public school, you had to prove that you were vaccinated. <laughs> Absolutely. You went to college, you had to prove you were vaccinated. And so it's literally only this one particular disease that it's suddenly your right to be a public, uh, like a hazard to other people's health. And that's where I think, you know, the, the notion of bodily autonomy is, you know, your rights and where my nose begins. But when you're coughing COVID into my nose, you know. <laughs> Totally. It's violating my bodily autonomy. And they will do that on purpose too, right? Like people, people are like literally trying to do that at the same time. Yeah, no, that's a, that's absolutely a great point. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's just because the Democrats said to do it or the liberals said to do it. Literally, I think that's what it's like. uh, If liberals support something, I mean, there's gonna be half the country that goes, nope, they're gonna find a way to, to, to say this is not the way to do it regardless i i really feel that way you know i I don't even think it has anything to do with the vaccine mandate what's sad is people are putting their life literally uh through that test and they're losing their lives that's another thing why are republicans like hey we're losing voters here why are you know like why are we not doing something we're losing voters left and right like right like that's my first thought way back in the summer i thought why why would if i was a republican leader i'd be like hey guys we listen we're 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 literally just peeling away here uh little by little yeah i i mean some of them like mitch mcconnell see it that way he's like said you know could just get vaccinated (laughs) (laughs) because it is true i think that a lot of them initially didn't think it would be i i don't know wishful thinking I, i i don't i don't really quite know exactly what the mentality was there because I, I, when the pandemic first started before the, and even when we first had vaccines, like people in blue areas were dying at higher rates just because they were living more densely together. Yeah. But the vaccines work really, really well. And if you get vaccinated, you are almost certain to die of anything but COVID. Yeah. yeah. And so when you're seeing 2000 people die a day in this country, they are basically 99% unvaccinated. Roughly, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's super high and you're seeing them die in red areas. And so like, yeah, I think what the funniest thing about this is like, I think that the irony of all this is that the more vaccine mandates that there are, the more that you have to get vaccinated to go to school or keep your job or whatever, get on an airplane. If God, if Biden would just ban it. ban the unvaccinated from airplanes that would help a lot especially before thanksgiving i i think like people would get vaccinated because it's not worth the hassle anymore and then this issue would be over they would move on to something else because exactly it it would be done 
Yeah, you're right. They move on to something else. We just need to swap it out with another <laughs> hot topic issue they can get all flustered about and and whatever. Who The, the national conversation can get all uh, swept up in. Uh, you're right. You know, I have a friend who's not vaccinated, uh, but he's, this is literally what he told me. Um, he's conservative. You know, I have a lot of conservative friends. I live in Texas. I mean, wait, come on. Um, and he said... Um, he said, look, the truth is, if like my job really pressures me, like if they said you're, you're going to lose your job, I'm getting it. That's yeah. what he said. He's like, I'm getting it. I Look, I got kids. I got I'm not going to blow my whole, you know, for, for that. But up, I'll go into the point I can is what he said. I was like, why? What is the point of that? Like, what, who are you proving to? Like, You know what I mean? Like, what? who is this for? It's such a weird battle. It's a, and, but you're right. If they pressure them enough, they're going to get, they're not going to risk their whole, you know, most people are not. Well, I mean, we've seen this time and again. Um, in New York State, they had 75% of the healthcare workers in the state were vaccinated um, in like July. And they announced that they were going to be va- vaccine mandates. It got up to 84%. Um, and then the day before the mandate came down and people were actually going to get fired if they didn't get vaccinated, it jumped up to 92%. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, and same with United airlines, they were having trouble getting employees to be vaccinated. So they said, jab or your job, right? 97% vaccination rate. People like to talk shit. They do. Exactly. But when it comes to their job, they will do what it takes to keep it. Especially if it's not a big deal, like getting a a vaccine. It took, I tell people all the time, it took me 15 minutes at CVS. Okay. I'm like, literally, and and, and 14 of those minutes, I was just walking around waiting to see if there was some sort of side effect so that I could leave. So, so, you know. (laughs) I was window shopping the other 14 minutes, you know, like I played phone games. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You play phone games. I mean, it's literally pop, pop, you're done. It's over. It's nothing to like die on this hill about. Um, I just I just find it fascinating that people are dying on this hill about it and the masks and schools and Texas and Florida. Again, you know, you know, we're just so ridiculous. You know, my thing is like, OK. If our governor doesn't want to be proactive, great. But let the school let school districts decide what they want to do. And if the yeah. school district decides where well, we're going to have masks, let them do. But instead, he's like proact going against them to like, you know, taking them to court. On I'm just like, what are we doing right now? Why are, we're fighting this battle, and this is what we're going to spend our time on, fighting with each other about it. Like this is what they feel they need to do for their district and, and Republican governors are always supposed to be, you know, make the decision on the small end, right. On the, on the, on the, on the small end of thing, you know, local government, local decisions, give me a break. It's all just a big, you know, I don't even know what it's it just, a, it's just a big like scam. I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I, you know, a lot of us aren't too hot on him ever since the snow apocalypse happened. <laughs> To be honest with you, because he hasn't done anything to prevent that from happening again. Yeah, you guys have a electric grid that's in dire need, dire need of update. And they've had what now three special legislative sessions and it was to ban abortion. It was to make it harder to vote, but it was anything but fix the fucking electric grid. Yeah. And we're going to be right back in the same problem 
this winter again. Like if something like that happens again, this I don't even know what people will do. It was only a week only. It was the longest week of my life. You know, I, bet. And I know for, for a lot of people here, it was absolutely insane. And I, I just don't think people could go through it again. There, I can't even no imagine. Way. Yeah, there's just no way. I mean, people died just like, you know, in their homes, frozen to their recliners, in their cars, trying to stay warm. I mean, it's insane. It's insane to 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 think about, to be honest with you. It, it was just, and in the whole state. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, well, let me call my neighbor and come help me out. Are you kidding me? Everybody's neighbor is, you know, trying to just get by and figure it out, you know, what, what's going to happen. Yeah, Texas is, it's just been an absolute nightmare. Um, yeah, here you guys, I, I tell you, you I, don't, I, you I, don't have the infrastructure for, I mean, I, I can't, I, yeah, when I lived in Texas, my house couldn't stay warm without electricity if it was that cold like i mean oh, no. I, I live in a like i live in the northeast now so the how, homes here are kind of made for it a little bit <laughs> yeah absolutely well and you have clothes for it, you have blankets you have you have all that supporting stuff too because i lived up there in in near philly too in lancaster and when i lived up there i mean you just it's a way of life you there's a support system to it and texas people don't have you know, people have like three sweaters here i mean you're like we don't know <laughs> We don't have a bunch of stuff. Some people don't even have jackets, you know, that just don't even, I mean, it gets a little chilly, but people were just not prepared. I mean, the water too, right? It was all, it was everything all at once. It was just like, um, it just lit, you know, no pun intended, but just snowballed. It just <laughs> snowballed in it. And it just was like, whoa, this is just getting, and it just never, there was never a light at the end of the tunnel, it seemed like, you know, and again, we haven't made any changes that show us what we're going to do to prevent that from from happening uh, again. And it will. Why Why wouldn't it? We were yeah. three minutes away from like a six-month blackout or something like that. Something crazy. You know, something insane like that. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Texas. Oh, love that's it. That's terrible. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's insane. Um, okay, Th this is, I thought, something pretty interesting. We're going to switch a little bit to food real quick, uh, you know, as we s sort of move, move on out of this. Um, and the, something that's been, I always like to think about the future of food myself, being in the industry for so long, and especially cooking and designing menus. And I, I don't know, you're always just, I don't know, at least for me, I love sci-fi. I love like uh, futuristic movies. I, so, but the food aspect is what I always think about. What will food be like in the future and how will we consume and what? And, you know, and, and I, I saw this article recently about um, 3D printed Wagyu beef that they made. And I found <laughs> that fascinating, to be honest with you. I was like, I could see this absolutely being the future. We just 3D print all of our meat. And there comes a time where we just look at like eating animals as being very, you know, primal, you know. Yeah, that's so funny that you asked me about that because literally our food editor at Salon just asked me um, if I wanted to write some some more about this, about food and television. And I was like, um, let me think about it. So <laughs> I, 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 my first thought was I should write about the replicators on Star Trek. I always find them fascinating. Like the idea of a replicator, <laughs> like, so go. like it just, I guess it must just be in the air or maybe I just watch a lot of Star Trek, but like, 
That idea too, the replicate. I mean, that's it. That's basically, yeah. uh, you know. It is. A, I mean, I, I will point out that like a lot of, of inventions that we have in our life exist because people saw it in science fiction and were like, I want to make that happen. Like if you own a, a Siri, for instance, you just, you saying Siri, do this for me. It's just like the computer on the onboard computer in Star Trek computer. You know, everyone's always talking to the computer or they carry little iPads around it. So I'm not surprised that replicators are a thing that people want. Um, And it is especially interesting when you think about beef or, or, or animal meat at all, because I think like, you know, I'm a vegetarian. um, I don't eat animals. Uh, Fish occasionally, but as a rule, I don't generally eat animals. And it would be, if, if it was like easy to make meat without killing an animal or having to give farm resources to an animal, I may reconsider. <laughs> yeah, it's synthetic. It's synthetic beef. So like, uh, you know, if it tasted the same and it looked the same to you and you knew it didn't come from an animal, you would be okay to eat that as a vegetarian? Yeah, I think so. There was an interesting article in in Slate the other day because so impossible, the impossible burger people yeah. are making yeah. a, a pork product, and I've definitely eaten impossible burgers. Like there, there, uh, there's actually some stuff that you can do better with the impossible meat than regular meat. I've heard. Again, I don't cook with regular meat, so this is just I'm hearing from the grapevine. But sure. uh, but this woman, uh, she was she's Muslim, and she was like is it halal to eat impossible pork? <laughs> That's a great question. And I was like, or, you know, then there's the question of, is it kosher as well? Like uh, there's yeah. all these kind of dietary restrictions that people have. And it, it's an interesting question of synthetic meat, synthetic meat. I mean, it still has like the replicator version of it would be the same molecular structure. It just sure. didn't yep. come through an animal. I, right. These are going to be very fun questions. Um, I, I think that a lot of people are going to kind of decide on on the different basis. But for me, being a vegetarian is very much about not killing animals. The, it's or, the killing of the animals, right? That, yeah. That's the part of it. Yeah. Or yeah. using using our, our, our very limited precious resources to raise animals just to kill them. Yeah. You know, it is a huge yeah. part of it to me. So if you sure. didn't have to do that, I think all my objections kind of fall away. <laughs> I mean, and I get the, those objections, right, from a vegan's perspective as well, even to, to that extent. Um, look, I, I nobody wants to see animals suffer, and especially just so that I can have a quarter pound cheeseburger. I mean, come <laughs> on. that that's It is ridiculous, uh, to be honest with you. So, yeah, this idea that we would just start, like, imagine a restaurant like, You've got your meat replicator, your veggie replicator, your, you know, your seafood replicator, right? Like instead of like a flat top, a fryer, right? A stove top. It's like these different setups. I mean, you know, are we talking a few hundred years in the future, a couple hundred years to a hundred years? I think they'll start 3D printing food, you know, in the next 10 years, 15 years. I think you'll see it like on a menu somewhere, you know? Probably, you know what I mean? It'll be like some special thing, like be like impossible meat and beyond burger, right? It became these special sort of things that you can get. And really they're just going to have to test the market to see how people respond to it. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, there'll be a market for it. It'll become niche, you know, niche to some extent. And h- how far can it go from there? I, I don't know. The, the, the food industry is a big market. It's like to big tobacco. It would be really hard to like get them out of business. You know, it's like the car oh. companies, like, like all these big things. There's only like three chicken companies, I think, provide like all the chicken. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, there's uh, so many interesting questions. And I think that's why I kind of want to write about it because I also yeah. think on a certain, ex- to a certain extent, like people like to cook and serve and, and enjoy food, the whole process of making it. And so yeah. like, I think that there will be a limit to how much people would want replicated food, right? Even sure. if it tastes exactly the same. Yes. I mean, maybe, I don't know. If you show somebody a machine, it was like, you just hit a button and this thing comes out of it exactly the way you want it. They're going to be like, what? I think a lot of people, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, that's going to become part of the kitchen. Would you need a kitchen? They Could don't on Star up? Trek. Yeah, they, they don't, don't have, have kitchens kitchen. on. You're right. That's a great point. You never see anybody like just like cooking on Star Trek. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would open up a whole new room you know in in your house uh uh, for something else uh, would change the way uh restaurants might change i don't know i don't know if i like where this is going to be honest with you i like i'm with you i mean i like cooking i like the idea i like cooking more than eating (laughs) to to be honest with you i mean i do love eating but cooking is where it's at for me in fact if i slave and i'm cooking and i'm i barely eat when i'm done i like i sit down with everybody to get i barely eat anything I, I, like, Patrick, aren't you hungry? I, I enjoyed just cooking. I'm tired. I, you know, I don't even want to, I, I can't even eat right now. It's, uh, yeah, I think the process of that, um, you're, you're right. That, that would be hard to quote unquote replicate, right? That's what they can't replicate that process. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Listen, uh, man, I thought we'd do something fun. We, I've been doing with, uh, for this season with each of our guests at the very end of the interview, I do a quick food trivia, uh, thing. Just some questions. See, see, test your knowledge of uh, food here. Okay. All okay. right. You down, let's you see down, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, let's see where I'm at. Don't, don't worry. You're, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. Um, okay, so this is all food related, at, at literally everything. But it could be world, you know, world food. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Texas or anything like that. This is easy stuff. You got this. You seem like a foodie. I've seen your Instagram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. What term is used slow cooking meats like duck or pork to slow cook any fat out of them? Oh, again, I'm a vegetarian. Is that the sous vide thing? No. Yeah, you're vegetarian. This might be a little difficult. It's called rendering. Oh, yeah, rendering. Yeah. No, rendering I, I probably know that from, from true crime. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. The sous vide is where you uh you do you cook slow temperature in a in a vacuum sealed bag in water, and you use a machine to control the temperature of the water ah. uh, to ke- to keep it at a constant uh, temperature, but it's really low. Like you'll cook something at one hundred twenty degrees. Oh, cool. You know, yeah. No, I I definitely hours. seen this thing in friends' houses, and I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> like what, what is all that going on it does look very sciencey to be honest with you. it's not doing much it, it's literally just heating the water you could sous vide on your stovetop 
you could sous vide in the oven. Probably wasteful energy wise, though, right? Yes, you're constantly having to check the temperature and, you know, make sure it's where you want it and stuff. That's what the machine does. It just will go on and off, right? To just make sure, like a hot tub, it just maintains. (laughs) That's all it is. It's a hot tub for food. That's really all it is. Okay. All right. Next question. Here we go. Uh, which dish from Spain traditionally includes saffron rice, seafood, chicken, chorizo, and peas? Paella. Bam. <laughs> got that. Even had the pronunciation right. And I'm okay. from uh, I'm from El Paso. You got that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, this is this this one's easy here. I think. Which country did brie cheese originate from? Uh, France. Bam. Okay. What is the name of the first book by Chef Anthony Bourdain? Uh, Kitchen Confessions, Kitchen Confidential. That's it. Oof, yeah, I read man. that book. It's a good book. Amazing uh, book. And I, in fact, I just I recommend people go see the documentary out right now about him called Roadrunner. It's pretty good. Um, he's like my hero from the industry. Yeah. Well, he's a, a punk fan like me. Yes, huge <laughs> punk fan. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I miss him a lot, to be honest. I don't miss celebrities because i don't know them but he never felt like a celebrity to me he felt like very much people i've worked with in the industry and so it was i was very sad to see him go um okay what make what ingredient makes bread rise yeast great shell steak this one might be tough shell steak also goes by what name flank (laughs) no this is tough. I actually didn't know this myself. Kansas City Strip. I oh, know that. I, I, I know. I've seen people eat Kansas City Strip. I probably when I was young, but you know. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that's what it was. I, I didn't know that. Um, okay. You eat a lot of pasta? Some. You might know this. Okay, here we go. What is meant, what is meant by the term al dente in Italian cooking? Oh, that's when you cook pasta so that it's still chewy, not like super soft, like uh, spaghetti at the cafeteria. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. It 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 translates to to the tooth, um, and and that's it. It's basically just describes the perfect texture of cooked pasta, um, al dente. Okay, so what type of trout is most commonly available in the U.S.? Hmm, rainbow. Wow, that's correct. Great job. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised. Uh, I, I didn't know that. That seemed like a difficult one. Okay. What is Marsala? You ever heard of that? Uh, yes. It's a hot sauce, right? Like not a hot sauce, but like a, a, like a, a kind of curry type sauce, right? It's a sweet wine. Oh, I must be thinking of something else. Yeah. I know, I know what you're thinking. Um, masala. masala. Yes. Masala. I'm thinking of masala. Yeah, masala, <laughs> which is which is great. Uh, okay, in cooking, what would you use a dredger for? Um, I I, I assume to dredge stuff. I don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good a guess as any. Right, if you had to make one, that's good. When do you it's, dredge stuff in cooking? If it's, it's like stuck a, at the bottom of the pan, that's bad. <laughs> it's like for uh, flour and sugar and stuff. It's that thing. Oh. It's got the little, uh, 
like, like a, a great, sister thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, sort oh. of like that. that. That's a dredger. And in fact, <laughs> uh, if you ever were some fry, sta- fry stations in restaurants will have a dredge station. And what that means is you're um, taking whatever protein you're cooking and you're dredging it in the the flour through the oh, dredge, yeah. like a, through the thing, you know, to get it ready. Like a to, chicken to fried fry. steak. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're getting it ready to to dump in the fryer. And they'll call that the dredge station. Um, just a little little tidbits here. <laughs> Throwing those in there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, oh, Stilton cheese is native to what country? Uh, it's somewhere in the UK. So, right. So it's Britain, right? Or Ireland. No, you were right. The first one. Oh, okay. Great job. Yeah, great job. Look at you. You're crushing this, honestly. <laughs> what is the main ingredient in falafel? Uh, chickpeas. Yes, great job. Okay, not too many left. Black Forest cake originates from which country? Uh, I'm going to say both Germany and specifically Bavaria. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's like where the that. Black Forest is. <laughs> Look at that. Even get more specific on the answer. I love it. I would have accepted Germany. So you got you got even an extra point for that. Uh, which country does the chorizo sausage originate from? Um, Mexico? Spain. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. But yes, they're completely different chorizos. One's cured. The, what, what you eat in Spain is cured, and they don't eat cured I mean, they do have some in Mexico, but that's typically not cured at all. Um, okay, what type of liquid is used to marinate raw fish in Mexican ceviche? Lime juice. Yeah, easy. Where was the Caesar salad invented? New York City. Mexico. Oh, no shit. I did not know that myself, and I'm Mexican. I had no clue. <laughs> I. But that totally explains why Mexicans love Caesar salads. <laughs> My mom orders Caesar salads everywhere. Uh, <laughs> that's so true. And I am now going to have to inquire about this in my family's background as well. Right? Like, hey, listen. C- hey, may- I mean, I've been pronouncing it wrong. It's Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> that's great okay which soft drink is the oldest soft drink in the usa Mm, coca-cola it's texas's own dr pepper ah of course (laughs) that's pretty crazy right i didn't know that i thought i thought it would have been coke I just yeah. thought, I don't know why. I, I didn't know that, but now I know it and I'm never going to unlearn it. And I'm going to tell everyone <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that. All right. This is the last question. You got this. Maybe. This is a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Peanut butter was turned into which mineral by scientists? Uh, sodium? Diamond. What? <laughs> <laughs> guess it's Literally. a carbon i guess it's made of carbon yeah yeah <laughs> they took some some peter pan yeah i guess all food is carbon and made a diamond i guess you, I, can you make a diamond i don't you know i don't yeah, know Did they, car- they make a diamond. jelly a jelly ruby i don't know diamonds are made out of carbon under 
hard, hard pressure. So. Oh, okay. I I don't know how diamonds are made. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen one in real life before. I, I only see the <laughs> fake ones. I'm not a I'm not a diamond person. Uh, that's fascinating, right? I didn't. I never heard that before. That's a, that's one of those weird drinking facts. You know, at two a.m. you tell your buddy, and he's like, "What?" And you guys are like, "This is crazy." Okay. Well, you did great. I think you only missed one, to be honest with you. So you crushed it. Great job. Um, well, Amanda, this has been awesome. I really appreciate um, just all your insight and feedback and um, just opinions and views on everything. It's really great to just hear, uh, you know, you talk about these things and, and get sort of your ear on some your take on some of these things uh, happening right now. I really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for all the stuff that you do um, online. I'm, I'm constantly reading your stuff and staying up to date with everything. So I just really appreciate your your voice in the in the conversation. Uh, yeah, to be honest thanks. with you, thanks for having me. This has been a, a great time. I had a, a blast, awesome. despite awesome. the 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 darkness of so many of the topics. For sure. I mean, it's just the, the time we live in, right? I mean, what are we? You know, I, I try to laugh through a lot of stuff, to be honest with you, and try to stay. You know, I don't know. It's how I stay sane in this world. To be honest with you, not that I don't take everything seriously as well. I, I do. Uh, but I think it's important to laugh a little as well and to, you know, so anyway. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much, Amanda. Um, really do appreciate it. We'll send an email out when um, this episode uh, goes live. And look, uh, let's. I won't wait so long to have you on again, uh, to be yeah. honest with you. So I'll make sure of that uh, for sure. So, well, look, my best to you and your family out there. Um, please stay safe. And um, for those listening, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, get that jab. Do it. It's worth it. So, okay. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I hope you uh, have a great weekend. Hope you you too. To do you some too. fun. Awesome. I will. Thank you. Thanks again. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, the end credits. This is everyone responsible for making the show happen. Executive producer, Sebastian Sauerborn. Podcast manager, Nevena Ponovich. Marketing manager, Caroline Grape. Video and audio editors. Danilo Vojnov and Pavel Sebastianovich. Thumbnail designer, Marko Vukovic. Social media manager, Ursa Rusman. Guest outreach, Corey Mencies. Designing image quotes, Jay Apuya. Social media videos, Labri Fernandez. Outreach support, Yonet Del Mundo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. <laughs>